The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Friends. everyone welcome along to another episode of new zealand's longest running tech podcast this is of course the boys of tech episode 192 for the 19th of november 2012 we're live here in wellington my name is edwin herman i am joined over skype by one of our most in fact our most regular panelist and that is brett king welcome to the show brett howdy and how are you today Uh, i'm perfectly fine you know, it's been another year and another uh, KiwiCon conference, and, and I, just over the weekend I attended KiwiCon, another fantastic uh, you know, show. It's really, it's, it's a show. You know, these guys, <laughs> these guys are great. They put on a great show. And uh, it, was, it was very interesting, and it's got me back into that frame of mind, and I'm, I'm doing a few things at the moment to have a bit of fun with, with people's misconfigured uh, HTML, let's say. <laughs> no, nothing nothing too, dodgy. No, nothing too dangerous. Just, yeah, no, no. I, I, I've, uh, I'm a bit older and wiser now, so I tread a bit more carefully. But so that this is something fairly benign. But you know, yeah, I'll reveal reveal a little bit more later on. But anyway, uh, it, you know, there's there was some really interesting talks there. Really, really enjoyed the one I enjoyed the most. Actually, was 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 uh, a couple of guys actually who who talked about hacking. Um, one-time audio passwords, which are big in Africa, apparently. So what happens is when you want to log into a site, you proceed to log in, but before it actually logs, before it accepts your login, before it authenticates you, it phones your your mobile phone and you place your mobile phone against the speaker of your computer. The computer plays a sound, which goes down the phone, which goes to server, which goes back to the web server and compares the two. And if the two match, then it's obviously you at your computer. Uh-huh. Yeah, and... Uh, That's weird. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I'd never... You know what? I, I felt really ignorant. Seriously never convoluted. Heard of, I would I never know, do that. I know. I would never ring something randomly. Well, the, th- the thing is, I mean, you, you register your, your, your phone, you know, and only you can have that phone number, uh, you know, when you, when you create an account with, say, yeah. a bank or whatever it is, some important site. So so the theory's fine. It's just that the, the, the way they've implemented it is a little weak, <laughs> in, in terms of like you know the predictability of the the tone, it, it's a tone that modulates basically. I think I think it's thirty two bit a thirty two bit tone. Well, you know it's, it's a tone that represents thirty two bits. There are thirty mm-hmm. thirty milliseconds, uh, thirty two thirty millisecond chunks of of different frequencies, and 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 they're not entirely random and, and so on. So yeah, and you can also trick it by forcing someone's phone into to go to voicemail and you can have set, set something up on voicemail with a, a response tone. Uh, and, of course, the way to force someone's phone to voicemail, it won't, well, one way is to ring the phone from yeah. from, from a phone and whilst it's ringing, I, and i.e. In, engage and therefore not ringable, the second call will go to voicemail. So anyway, uh, th- that was just one, uh, a very small snippet of, of one of many talks at KiwiCon. And, and Brett, you, we've got to get you there next year. 
<laughs> oh, sounds like I missed out on some interesting stuff. Yeah, I mean, some of it was really hard, like the 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 stuff where they're talking about memory addresses and jumps and pointers and overflow and protected memory area and executable memory areas and stuff just went right over my head and right over a lot of people's heads as well. They were kind of, you know, <laughs> lots of glazed eyes. Yeah, the, the guy who was doing the talk could have just as easily been making the whole thing up. Yeah. <laughs> because no one would have known known the better, you know? No, no one would have known any, any better. <laughs> going, maybe he was. Maybe he was, but we were all nodding going, wow, you're very clever. But we had no idea. <laughs> but most wow, of, I have no idea what you're talking about, but <laughs> it must be clever because you're using very big words. Yeah, that's right. But most of, uh, look, most of the talks were... Uh, Understandable by a an, an IT enthusiast that's not necessarily an IT um, guru, let's say. You don't have to be hardcore for most of the talk, so that was uh, good. Anyway, that that was KiwiCon, a fantastic show that Metal Storm Pipes and the rest of the, the crew put on. So, so Brent, we we're gonna we're gonna get you down there next year. Okay, how's that? Only sixty bucks. For a weekend conference, it's amazing. Anyway, let's get on with the show because we we do have our own show to run here. And just looking ahead at some of the stories, I wanted to talk about some criticism against Google's uh, position in the music space and what, how one law student is making Facebook get serious about their privacy. But first of all, a Google story uh, which reminds me of one of our other panelists by the name of Cameron Colley. This is about a, a David versus Goliath story. This is Google. Is Google the David in this story? No, d- no. Yeah, good point. No, this is Google is definitely the Goliath. The oh. David is a is a company, well, or, or, a, or at least a website anyway, run by a guy out of South Africa. Uh, a website called Dougal. Dougal. D o o g l e. So uh. it sounds kind of similar. Uh, it he, does. It does. He could have used a U instead of an. Oh, and, and an AL instead of an NLE. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, he, he's uh, created a site called Dougal.co.za, which is uh, in the South African domain space, as you may have gathered. Mm-hmm. And what it is, it's a search engine, for, it's actually a portal for jobs. And there's, I guess the main feature there is a search because people can look for jobs and post, you know, apply for, for jobs, uh, you know, and so on. And the, the problem, of course, is that Google's, not happy about that name, Dougal. And they've come after this guy who's, he's a young guy, he's he's 23, and he's vowing to continue on with what he's doing, and he's quite happy for this to go to court. He says he's done nothing wrong, and that Google shouldn't be annoyed because his site is nothing like Google. Now, if you go to, check it out yourself, go to Dougal, D-O-O-G-L-E dot co dot Z-A, have a look. It doesn't look mm-hmm. like Google at all. There's nothing... Really, it's, there's nothing Google-like on that at all. The only thing that gets anywhere close is the pronunciation of the name, Dougal, instead of Google. So what do you reckon, Brett? Well, what's your opinion on this? Is that fair for Google to be going after Dougal? Or is this is this them being a little bit pr- too precious? A bit like, I, I guess, just tying back to what I said earlier before you answer that question, actually, uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the story that it kind of reminded me of our, our other panellist, Cameron Colley, and that's, of course, because Cameron, in fact, originally was a guest. Groggle. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And he had a, a company called, well, actually, we're not meant to mention that name anymore. But, oh. yeah, yeah, Groggle, well, we've said it, Groggle. 
what's Google <laughs> going to do now? I mean, come on. So, so anyway, yeah. Yes, uh, company Gro- formerly known as Grogle. That's right. And, uh, and of course, he got into a big spat with Google over that, and they settled outside court and all that. But uh, anyway, it kind of reminded me of that. So back to you, uh, Brett, on, on the uh, question. Fair or, or not fair? Uh, I think it's, well, hmm. I can see it from both points of view. You can see it from Google's because, you know, they, they look at it and it's, it's Dougal. What's Dougal? Uh, not speaking South African at all. <laughs> what does Dougal have to do with the job search name? So they've got that, you know, it's very similar sounding to, to Google. But when you go to the site, the, the, the site layout actually more reminds me of Yahoo. Yeah, than it does, exactly. than it does Google. Yeah, good it, point. It's actually quite Yahoo-la, <laughs> Yahoo-esque in its presentation. But yeah, it's, it looks absolutely nothing like Google's. You, there's no way you could go to that site and think it had anything to do with Google. No, no. Google's branding is quite specific. You know, all Google branded sites have the same sort of layout, the same, the same integration with the Google accounts across the top, which is a dead giveaway that you're on a Google site. None of that stuff exists on the Google site. But I can see from Google's side that you've got a name which is one letter away from their name. And what does that name have to do with what the uh, the site is doing? Of course, you can choose any name for your site. You don't, you know, you don't, but, the, but of course, Google can leverage that and say, well, we think you've picked that because it sounds like Google. And, of course, if they can convince a court of that, well, you know, that, that as you're sort of alluding to, Brett, that could go against mm-hmm. them. But they're supposed to be able to convince a court as well that uh, that the two are likely to be confused. Yeah. Well, you know, convince a court, pay a court. <laughs> They're big. They could do it. I wouldn't yeah, but, put past them. I'm, I'm, uh, in fact, but you know, I'm, I'm incredibly cynical. I wouldn't put past most people. <laughs> you do tend to have a, a cynical viewpoint. You're right, but, but you know, it, it's it's fair, it's fair though to say that you know, the more money you have, often the easy means it is to that, get what you. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Often you can sort of uh, you know the court decision ends up going your way. Uh, sometimes yeah. for no reason other than the fact that the other guy just has no money to fight and they give up. Mm-hmm. And that, that kind of happened to me is some people, who, I, I think I've mentioned this, I may have mentioned this on the show uh, once or twice before about the, my, the the trademark for my radio station. And of course, one of the, the big, we've got basically two radio networks in New Zealand, each with about 49.5% of the market. And, and they came after me because I had a great name for my radio station, which I still do. But I, when I tried to trademark it, they... They, you know, lodged a complaint, uh, you know, an objection, and they wanted to take it through the. And they knew I had no money, and yeah. of course, uh, they just wanted to. Uh, to, to the, well, they knew that I I couldn't find it, and so in the yeah. end, I, I I gave up the registration because I for the trademark I can still use it, but I just can't register it. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I, I I can try again, but they'll probably they'll Do probably the not notice. Yeah, exactly. So I, I've got no money to fight it. Mm. Uh, and so sometimes, you know, that's that's but the reason. Then, but you know, maybe if you did do it a second time, you would have slightly more leverage because if they've done nothing with the name that they've said, right? Yeah, they haven't really, yeah. Yeah, then they don't have a leg to stand on because you back down once and you've got, you know, you've got obviously records of how far you went the first time. 
and that you backed down because of that. And now you're putting it forward again because they've actually done sweet FA with that name. And so you want to actually do something with that. Well, you know, what's what's really ironic, and this just shows how nasty these guys were, was that the reason for the objection against the name I chose was that the name was too generic and therefore can't be registered. Now, after the objection, <laughs> but there's more to it, though. Here's Did the they thing. register like Radio FM? No, no. Because that's not generic at all. <laughs> no, not quite that bad. But here's the thing. After I backed down, after I agreed to back down to you know to withdraw the application, which I did, they then went and it, well attempted to register something even more generic, the same name but minus a bit, so so it's even more generic. I watched <laughs> that very 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 closely, mm. and every few days I'd, I'd watch the, uh, the the patent side to see if there's been an update on it, and eventually it uh, it, it didn't it didn't make it through, and I think that perhaps. Uh, the, theirs was rejected because it was far too generic. But, you know, yeah. the, 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 the ironic part here, of course, is that they were trying to tell me or trying to tell the, the, the patent office that mine was too generic. And then <laughs> what are they going to do? They're going to cut half the name out to make it even more generic. And it's like, whatever. So anyway. Exactly. The, the, they were just being bullies. They were. They were. Yeah. And, and then uh, the, uh, the other ironic twist of this is that a few weeks after all of this, their lawyer switched firms and ended up working for the firm that I'd hired when they, when, <laughs> yeah, when they were against me. So, yeah, anyway. Oh, that that's funny. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I kind of felt like getting hold of them again and saying, or getting hold of the lawyer, actually, that had jumped ship and then actually asked them, say, well, come on, what's the story behind all this? Why were they doing that? But, of course, they, they wouldn't be able to tell me that. They wouldn't be allowed to. But it, it was tempting to kind of, you know, go to my the law firm I was using and, and asked that lawyer who jumped ship um, a bunch of questions. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this isn't about uh, my domain. This is, sorry, going back to the Google versus Google. I, I think, um, you know, you know, Facebook was also a little bit like, you know, a little bit heavy handed in, in some areas where there are other places with the word book or face in the name of the site and they didn't like that. <laughs> yeah, my God, because, you know, book and face aren't generic terms. Yeah, I know. I think, you know, the thing is, my feeling is that each of those have to be judged on their own merits because, I mean, you you could get a site that tries to do the same thing as Facebook and it might be called, I don't know, Bookface or something or or, 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 or My Book or something. And if it's a little bit too, and because if, if it's doing the same thing and has a similar name, then perhaps that's a little different to just having the name and being a... Oh, no, there, there's no way they could complain because... You know, you could call it my book and still be a social networking site and not be related to Facebook. I don't know. Could you though? I mean, book it, is a generic term. Oh, because you're, what your argument is that a Facebook, it's a noun, isn't it? It's a thing. Exactly. Book is, is generic. Face is generic. Facebook together, they could trademark and they could go after anybody else who was using Facebook but yet not somebody who's using something else in book or using something else in face or face and something else, regardless of whether a social networking site or not, because individually they're generic terms. As a side, you know, I, I use lots of, uh, do lots of stuff with text-to-speech at work and text-to-speech is constantly coming back to me pronouncing 
Facebook, not as Facebook, but as Facebook. Oh, is that uh, right? It like, doesn't know it, does yeah, it? It, it, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't know as a word. to use ACE as ACE in that context. It, it uses, it pronounces it more like the ACE in macerate. So it's Facebook. Oh, I see. It's, it cons- I, I can't see Facebook um, terms or the FB logo without it playing in my head as Facebook. <laughs> so now you you kind of think Facebook when you see it written down. Yeah, yeah. You work whenever I see it, I see Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. And actually, by the way, speaking of uh, mispronunciations, I discovered something just, in fact, the other week that mm-hmm. under Mac OS X in the speech recognition feature, when you turn that on, one of the cool little gimmicky things they've built in because Apple have a good sense of humor is you can ask the computer, you can say, tell me a joke. And it recognizes that. And it's, and it, it's supposed to come back and say, knock, knock. And it goes yeah. through the usual thing, you know, so you say who's there you, and it will respond once again with, you know, a name, postman and postman who and so on. Uh-huh. But when I did it the other week and to my surprise, when I said, tell me a joke, it didn't come back with knock, knock. It came back. In fact, I've got a recording. I'll, I'll play exactly what it came back with. So I said, knock, knock. And the computer came back with this. N1AAK, N1AAK. I'm like, what? That sounds nothing like knock, knock. I, I know. I'll play it again for the for our listeners. D- d- here it is one more time. N1AAK, N1AAK. It's nothing. <laughs> N1AAK. N1AAK. What I think it is though, Brett, uh, because I was looking at this, I wrote this down, I transcribed it. And (laughs) when you write it down, N1AAK, and then it repeats it. Obviously, that's, I think, the code that represents the pronunciation for knock, knock. The AAK, I guess, is the American pronunciation, you know, like knock, knock. (laughs) That's what I think it is. And the N1 is is a type of N sound. And it's a type of knur sound. Well, it's a type of N. It knows that the K, I guess it knows the K N is, is the K silent. And so N1 is a certain type of N sound and the AAK is the arc, knock, knock, who's there, you know? And so there you go. So I submitted this to Apple. Yeah, I sent this to Apple. I did a bug report. I submitted it. And two days later, they closed it as a duplicate. So I wasn't the first to find it. But uh, yeah, I, I was really surprised. And it was kind of weird. because Have they fixed it? Uh, no, it's it's still the case. I, I tried it just again the other day. It's still the case. No patch yet. But it was it was oh, so funny because I was trying to show my two daughters this uh, you know the the speech recognition. I said, "Look, I show you something really cool." So here's me going, "Tell me a joke, tell me a joke." And it comes back with in one a a k in one a a k. My my daughter's just kind of looking at me with a raised eyebrow, going, "What?" And I'm like thinking exactly oh, the same thing. What just happened there? Nah, you should have looked down at your daughter and gone, "Isn't that funny?" Because she would have been so confused by not getting <laughs> that joke. Oh, yes, exactly. Well, hey, she's too yeah, young to understand. Yeah, they would have haunted her she, for the rest of her life. <laughs> she's too young to understand knock-knock jokes anyway, I think. She doesn't, you know, she's only five. <laughs> but, you know, at least it, it would have come out with something human sounding, whereas it came back like N1AAK. I must admit, though, Brett, you're not too far wrong because her looking at me with a WTF look on my face made her <laughs> laugh so much. And as I kept playing this thing back and, and re-asking, you know, tell me a joke and it, coming back, you know, for the fifth time, N1AAK, N1AAK, which just made her laugh and laugh. Hey, there was the joke for her. So that, that was, yeah, exactly. Daddy being silly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway. So Apple know about it, but look, it, I, it's obviously not high on their priority list. I mean, it's a gimmicky thing. Mm. Uh, and, I mean, they they should really fix it. I mean, I'm sure it can't be hard. Yeah. 
But yeah, <laughs> Apple sometimes they don't really fix stuff that quickly. No, no, they wait for a, a, another release. Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> actually, interestingly, at KiwiCon, one of the speakers was uh, a woman by the name of Lee Honeywell, and she works for Microsoft. She's in uh, works comes from Red, you know works in Redmond. She works with the. Uh, I'm not sure what the exact team name is, but it's it's the the team that does all their security releases, and they kind of you get bug reports, and then uh, or you know vulnerability reports, and then uh, uh-huh. assess them and get them fixed, and then decide they have to decide what goes in Patch Tuesday, what goes at some you know, as they call out of band, which is like a, a, an urgent one that an comes straight away. Patch, yeah. That's right, um, and, and what doesn't go into either and, and just happens in the next service back or something. And, and yeah. it's really interesting to understand how the processes and stuff. And uh, that, that was a good talk in itself. But mm. anyway, I digress. You know what? We've only done one story <laughs> on, our, on our list. Let's move on, shall we? <laughs> okay. Because there we'll is move more. away from, from Google versus Google. Yeah, which turned into about a tangent of three other which stories. Which turned into about um, <laughs> trademarking and how silly a lot of that system is. That's right. But yeah, anyway, yeah, we'll leave that aside and we'll, we'll, I want to move on and talk about the criticism that Google is getting from the BPI in Britain. Now, the BPI is the British Phonographic Industry. So they represent the, you know, the, the music companies, the British music companies. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're criticizing Google because what they're saying is that it doesn't make sense for Google not to tackle piracy because this goes back to, you may recall that Google were under some pressure to rehash your algorithm to lower sites, to, to give a lower score to sites that contain pirated mm-hmm. music. And they haven't done that yet. And so they've been criticised, the BPI's criticised them for not having done that yet. They say they've had ample time, they should have done it. And uh, they've been criticised for not doing that. But at the same time, Google's supposedly launching its own legal music download service. Mm. And that's what the BPI find not acceptable. But I, I don't know. My opinion, to be honest, my opinion is is that well, so what? Get, yeah, exactly. Get over it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay. Google is a search engine. It's not a sensor, or it, it, it attempts to not be. It, it senses in some places where it's it's you know law, but yeah, they they're making changes. They've said they will make changes to their algorithm in some manner, but we really don't want them to do a rush job. Google's algorithm is incredibly complex and any changes they make to that algorithm could completely, drastically alter the the search results that people get. The the thing I... want to make sure that it works properly. Here's here's (laughs) what I think they've also missed, though. I think it's great that Google was showing signs of being willing to alter the algorithm, and I think it's a good thing for them to, to do that. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, but, but here's the thing that I, I think that the BPI have missed. The fact that they haven't done it yet and that they're going to be launching a legal music download service, well, that is actually also going to be to Google's disservice. So what's the big deal? Do you understand what I'm Precisely. saying? Precisely. Yeah, I mean it, the, two, <laughs> the two aren't linked. You know, it, it, if if anything, as I said, it's the fact that it's, they haven't done the algorithm change is actually yeah. possibly going to be doing Google a disservice. So, so, so that's their problem. Piracy hasn't been in the news enough recently. 
So the the BPI have, have seen the news and they've seen the stories currently going around and they're going, piracy isn't mentioned enough now. People are just going to start forgetting about piracy and, and then we're not going to have, you know, be able to go straight in guns blazing because people will have forgotten about it. We can't let them forget about piracy because that oh, way we'd actually yeah, have to change and, it, it, it seems- and, and evolve into a... Into a um, a model that works. Uh, this is definitely. This has to be that the year of the the piracy news stories or the pi- the the piracy buzzword or something. Uh, you know, it's it's everywhere. Yeah. You're, you're, piracy and economic doom and gloom. That's, no, that's, that's right. That's yes, the the economy. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yep. Look, here's the thing. They're saying there's a disconnect between the two. What I'm saying is that I actually do think Google. It's a good thing for Google to alter their uh, their algorithm. But it's okay for them to launch a, a new legal music service regardless of whether they alter it or not. I mean, Precise. you know, the, the both are good things is what I'm saying. Yeah. Anyway, uh, another story I wanted to cover was, uh, which you may have heard about, this made big headlines last week, was the Austrian student Max Schrems, who was basically doing some university research on Facebook privacy, I think, wasn't it? Well, it was on internet Privacy and privacy concepts in in law. He was doing an exchange or something at um, a university in the US when he went to a lecture that was being given by somebody who started to cover it and who raised the fact that in the EU there is this this clause in privacy law uh, or this concept in privacy law which does not have a parallel in America, which is that you have the right to request from a company, from an entity that you interact with, a copy of every single piece of data that they have that relates to you. And that company or entity or whatever has to, within a reasonable amount of time and within a reasonable amount of cost, comply and provide you with a copy of every piece of data that refers or pertains to you. And he asked uh, Facebook for that. I yeah, think. yeah, he, he, he challenged asked. them. He actually went to them because, don't forget though, that the that uh, Facebook's international operations are run out of Ireland mm-hmm. and the, their Irish office, of course, is subject to European law. Exactly. And therefore, they must comply with the, the requests to hand over the information they have about you. So, or at least, you know, give you a copy of the information they have about you. And when he received the response, he wasn't convinced that that was everything. And he wrote No, back he was given like a, a tiny, tiny sliver of information. Exactly. And so he wrote back and said, I'm very sorry to trouble you further, but I'm convinced that this is not all data that Facebook holds about me. To give you some examples, there must be tons of metadata that is used. For example, target advertisement, rank the appearance of content on my newsfeed, etc. So he's gone on and given them you know, specific examples of some of the kinds of things that he didn't see in the response. Yeah. And in the end, they came back and they did give him a whole bunch of stuff, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. They, but, uh, they <laughs> actually mailed him a CD that's right. with a PDF containing more than a thousand pages of raw data. And Facebook <laughs> thought that this was just one crazy one-off. Oh, no, yeah. because he then went and told everyone and tried to get a movement going to get everyone else outside of the US, or at least in Europe, to go and do yeah. the same thing. And Facebook was swamped with requests like that. They couldn't, couldn't uh, 40,000 people. Yep, 40,000 um, people had, followed, had, the, followed his, um, <laughs> his group's guidelines right. and made requests. And, of course, Facebook couldn't cope with that. 
Indeed, not many of them got as detailed a response as Max got. No, and the others got got a link to a a tool. Link, well, to the data retrieval tool. Data retrieval tool, yeah. But but the data retrieval tool gives you a fraction of what Facebook actually can holds about you, and that's the that's the thing. It's if if Facebook's tool does not give you as much data as was provided to to Max, then Facebook is not complying with EU law. And he and Max is <laughs> and Max is actually prepared to take this right through to the European Court of Justice, as he should, because in, it, in it, Luxembourg, they so are not yeah, exactly. So he he's he's obviously. A privacy advocate, and he's making a very strong point here. And yeah. something else that was interesting that he he said was that when he was back, uh, you know, earlier on when he was at the, uh, the the US University, he he was at a a privacy seminar, and as part of the seminar, there were some some guest speakers, one of which was a spokesperson from Facebook. And quoting Max, he says, and I asked him, he's referring to the, the guy from Facebook who, who isn't named, he's referring to this guy from Facebook who he hasn't named, but he says, he said that Facebook sticks to EU privacy law, and I asked him about consent, and he said, quote, we interpret consent in a way that as long as they don't say no, then it's okay, unquote. And Max continues to say, I had the feeling that he had never been to Europe and didn't understand the cultural difference. And, and, you know, it, it yes. is a little bit worrying because if you're going to operate in a country, you, you really do need to understand the not, the not just law. privacy laws, but just laws in general about exactly. what you can and can't do. Yeah, precisely. You, you can't just they assume, oh, we're going to run it. Those- everywhere in the world has the same laws as America. No, no. When America, when the American founding fathers were creating the founding principles of law for America, they pick and chose what they liked from other countries' laws. The other countries didn't stop using the rest of their laws <laughs> just because America didn't pick them. And, and, and of course, don't, don't forget, this happens in all directions. So whatever country uh, a company starts in, when it moves to another country and starts operating in that second country, yeah, once it needs you operate to, in that other country, it you needs are to abide by those laws and know, know what they are, at least at the high, at the high level. And, and for the, the nitty gritty stuff, of course, you, you've got your own, you know, legal team anyway, but at, at least yeah. the, the, the big picture stuff, like, like, you know, this, this is really important, you know, you must be able to provide your customers with data on request. Yeah. That, that's, yeah. you know, it, it's a big thing. You need to and understand it, that. One of the things that got me the most out of this whole scenario here is that the information that was provided to Max, this actually quite in-depth amount of information, just shows how much information, how much data about you Facebook keeps, regardless of whether or not you tell it to delete it. Because he found wall posts that he had deleted. He found chat things that he had deleted. He found bits and pieces of stuff that he had deleted and removed from his Facebook account. Yeah, and they were still there. And they were still there. Facebook was retaining that information. And EU data protection laws are incredibly explicit on the fact that when it is deleted, it is deleted. Well, this comes down to the argument of who owns your data. That, that really is the... In know, the EU, you do. In America... Yeah, whoever's got the money. I'm no lawyer here, and this is where we we need help from a lawyer, but there are some laws that you can't contract out of. There are other laws uh, where you can. Now, I don't know mm. whether, whether, whether you can contract out of 
uh, ownership data ownership laws in the EU. But if if you can, then so long as the you know the end user license agreement, the or what you know the terms of service that you agree to as a Facebook user, if it says by using the site you transfer ownership to us, blah blah blah, then then that that fits. If of course you can't contract out of that, then of course that goes right out the window. And yeah, and I'm pretty sure based on how stringent the EU's data protection guidelines, their you know, data protection laws are that you would not be able to contract out of it. It also starts to get back into fundamental laws about privacy and you can't contract out of the fundamental laws. You can't sign a contract which gives up your right to privacy. Well, I don't know. Uh, look, I don't, I don't know that we can say that for sure. I mean, we're not lawyers. It's, it, well, it, 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 it also depends on your country, I guess, And as well. it depends on the country. Uh, but yeah, anyway. So, Maybe, so, well, you know, in America, you can contract yourself out of most things. Well, anyway, the thing is, with with, with this this whole thing, Facebook's at least rethinking its privacy strategy. As they should. They have screwed it up so many times in the past. That's right. But uh, yeah, so the best thing that could come out of this is that, that Facebook you know, really rethink the whole thing from top to bottom and address areas that oh, need I to think be the best thing that can come out of this is not just Facebook rethinking the whole thing, but every company that stores information about users starts having a good look at what they're doing and whether or not they are actually complying with EU law if they're doing business in the EU. Well, that's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that, it's you know, it just... can be finally put to rest, the fact that your data is your data. The owner of data about you is you. All right. And not some company that you incidentally use. I, my favourite thing uh, about the whole thing is Max's quote. He loves social media. He just is not quite sure Facebook should be the one doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. Based on all of the stuff he's found out (laughs) during this whole whole saga he's in. Very good quote there. Now, look, it's not often I agree with Microsoft. Even more so, it's not often I agree with Steve Barmer because I think he's just absolutely crazy. He's mad. He's Uh, mad, uh, but you have to be. well, Well, yeah, I guess you'd have to be. But I I agree with with this this uh, story I'm about to introduce, and that is that just looking at the smartphone market, you've got Apple with their iOS, and you've mm-hmm. got Google with their Android OS. Yep. And so where does Microsoft see itself in here? Uh, you know, Steve Barmer summed this up nicely, and I personally I agree with him. I, I think he's he's spot on, and I think the strategy for for Microsoft is is good and and is the right thing. And that is that yeah. he says that the ecosystem of Android is a little bit wild from an app compatibility perspective, and I'm quoting him here, and our our world perspective may be in a way that's not always in the consumer's best interests. Conversely, the Apple ecosystem looks highly controlled and, by the way, quite high-priced. Now, Steve Barmer goes on to say that, uh, you know, where does that leave uh, Microsoft? And and basically he's saying he he wants the the best from both worlds, the best from the the Google uh, Android world and the Apple iOS world. And smack right bang in the middle is where they see Windows, uh, you know, the, uh, Microsoft and yeah. their OS. And he, and he says, you know, and I think you can say that's the kind of the best of the both worlds that's available to us, and that's where they're going to position themselves. Yep. What do you What do you reckon? I I think he's spot on. 
he is spot on. It is exactly where they need to aim themselves, and it is the that's the best thing that they could do for the the smartphone marketplace is to bring in a a device which offers the openness and some of that homebrew development mentality that you can get with uh, Android, but with a little more oversight over it than what uh, Google provides. And some of that, I guess performance and consistency that you get with with Apple devices integration yeah that's right and I, I think you know he he is he's spot on I think if they position themselves there that is that that is really as he says and I, I can't say any better so it, this is going to end up just quoting him again and that is the best of both worlds you know the best of the the Google and the best of the Apple and <laughs> and, 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 I, and leave the then leave the worst of both of them behind. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's what they want to do. So good luck to them because I, I think that's the, the right move. I kind of personally, yep. I, I like Apple products. I kind of wish Apple were kind of a little bit more there. But, <laughs> you know, good luck to Microsoft. But it still, it still doesn't make Steve Barmer any less crazy. No, no, he's still <laughs> quite He's crazy. talking sense, but he's still crazy. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> changing my opinion on that. He is crazy. He's one crazy guy. Ah, but the other Steve... The Steve that was, he was he's he was quite crazy in his own way too. Uh, Jobs, mm, yes, yeah, he he was he was stubborn. I think he was mm-hmm. uh, when he when he you know he wanted to do something and he wanted to do it the way that he wanted to do it. But he's not as crazy as Steve Barm. I mean, you've seen the YouTube videos. That's enough, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, really? Oh, we didn't see the the inside of Steve's office. Yeah, you know, he might have been there with his with his clown shoes and his making making the the people coming in jump up and down before they were allowed to say anything. Somehow, say I, I think that's chant first. Somehow, could I have think had that's, his own brand of crazy. No, I think that's more of a was trait than a jobs trait, if anything. But, ah, well, you know, yeah, it's, it's ingrained the, in Apple. By the way, I don't know if you realise what you'd said earlier, but you'd said the Steve that was, and I thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> I don't know if you picked ah, up on that. I just got it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. The Steve uh, that the, was, when was, was. Yeah, was. this is going to get confusing. <laughs> <laughs> now, Brett, the last story I wanted to talk about was the uh, the rather not surprising figures that show that 30% of people claim they use the mail, we're talking not email here, but real mail, physical mail. They snail use mail. the mail. Yeah, snail mail. They use the mail less as texts and emails take over. Wow. Who would have thought? Uh, me? I put my hand up. Yeah. I guess this. I, I guess I'm putting this. my hand up too. But you know, however, seen, they have noticed that you know at certain times their their package delivery has increased with that's the, right, the, the likes of eBay. internet shopping. That's right, and <laughs> eBay don't forget as well. So people are, exactly. you know, so globally, there's I think there's a, a rise in parcels, but definitely a, a massive drop in in standard letters. I mean, who yeah, likes letters yeah, anymore? Yeah, I know. But the thing is, when you actually receive a handwritten letter. Especially in, in you know nowadays, it's actually quite special. Yeah, I agree. It, actually, it is. It is even more so as you said. Because somebody has actually taken the time and the effort 
to write you a letter. They didn't send you an email. They didn't send you a text that was horribly munted so that it was fitting in your 120-odd character limit. They took the time to write you a letter. Mm. No, I I think I I agree with you, actually. You know, I, I received a letter just the other day from an aunt and you know I opened it and it was it, it is something special now you know it's it's more special than it than it was but it, it was always more special in email in the sense that as you said there's there's, there's a, some effort that's gone into that yep. it's, it's the same as receiving Christmas cards when you receive a real Christmas card it's a hundred times better than some of those cheesy e-cards oh god I hate the e-cards yeah I'm getting sick of them <laughs> yeah I'm kind of get I'm a bit over the the, uh, the whole e-card thing yeah yeah I think they're good for a laugh, and that's about it, you know. Pretty much. But yeah, I, I to me it doesn't doesn't have the same status. No, no, that's <laughs> right. In fact, it's because it's so cheesy. It, it has. It, it's like sending someone something really cheesy. You don't really know if they mean it with sincerity. Oh, precisely. It's like those people who forward on those chain emails. Oh yeah, don't get me started on them. It's it's, it's I, I I put those two in the same sort of basket. Oh, yeah. it, it, it's something that, you know, it's like, oh, I found this. I got this awesome e-card. I'm just going to send an e-card just like it to everybody else I know. Oh, tell me about it. It's like, you know, send me a decent card, damn it. I'm special too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, that's it, Brett. That is episode 192. I want to thank you very much for being a wonderful co-host, Brett. Always a pleasure, Ed. Excellent. That was a good show. And... Look, you know, uh, we will get you to KiwiCon next year. How's that? Yay! Could even do a live cast. We'll think about <laughs> that. Oh, Ooh. or is that going to make you decide not to come? <laughs> we'll see. Anyway. As, that, as long as nobody, as long as we sit somewhere where nobody can see us. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, we'll do that. We're, we're, we've, got, we've got faces for radio. Is that, is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Brett, thank you very much once again. And thanks to everyone in the audience listening to us. Uh, really do appreciate it. Of course, it's not a show without an audience. Until then, take care. See you next week. Goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye.